Welcome to Local Share Green Action Podcast. This show is produced by Go Green Locally, a 501c3 nonprofit, providing tools and resources for people that are looking for ways to take even more successful local action that makes a difference for our people and our planet. Today on our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who, among many things, has decided to focus on growing and teaching people about nutritious foods that help not only the health of local ecology, but the health of people recovering from serious illnesses. I'm speaking with Karen Gold, an educator, a farmer, and now an author located in Sacramento, California. Karen Gold has a Bachelor of Science degree in Natural Health and a PhD in Native American Studies. She has worked with food-related nonprofits and educating for farm and fork programs, but eventually focused on developing her own sustainable, non-toxic, wildlife-friendly farm and exploring a new way to connect vibrant fruit and veggies with those who are striving to enhance their health with delicious recipes using farm-fresh produce. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thanks. Glad to be here. Good to meet you. Yeah, I'm so excited to speak with you and find out more about your path of green action that led you to farming and educating people on delicious ways to prepare sustainably grown produce and to enhance their health. So what planted the seeds for you to want to start taking some kind of earth-friendly action originally? Well, let's see. I've been a vegetarian since I was 16. I worked with horses and I just could not ethically in my mind separate them from my grandparents' cows. And my grandparents had a farm, most lovely place. And, you know, so all those things are in there. I mean, I had to learn to cook for myself. I had to learn a whole lot about, you know, vegetables. I wasn't serious about nutrition, but it was like, oh, oh, I kind of like cooking and real food and so, you know, went on from there, but, you know, at a certain point I lived in Barcelona and they have a giant farmer's market. It's called La Boqueria or the Plaza San Josep. Um, and it's an entire city block of fresh, fresh produce and everything else, fresh mushrooms and, you know, and so then you get a taste for it, for the real deal stuff. You know, so there's somewhere between, you know, the idyllic grandma's farm stuff that stays in your head forever and, you know, and the, and the foodie business and the healthy foodie business and in your head and, and, and then just the, just the way the environment is going, the way climate change is insane and, and, you know, big farms contribute to that, small farms are the, in my mind, the remedy. Um, or have a lot of remedies for it that even slightly larger farms could follow. And you sort of want to hold a space in the, not in the um, emotional sense, in the physical sense. Like this little bit of land here, it's only two and a half acres, but you know, I never use chemical fertilizers. I never use chemical pest sprays or anything like that. I use organic seeds you know, organic amendments. Um, and I deliberately space, leave spaces for wildlife. You know, and like the top of the cherry tree belongs to the mockingbirds. What can you do, right? I can't reach it. Go ahead, knock yourself out, right? The gopher snake, you're totally welcome here. The bees, you know, are just, you know, you do your thing. You're like little royal people here. You, 
you be happy, I'll be happy. So, you know, that's a, it all comes together. We're just kind of living with the, with the land and the space. I mean, you can do what you can do within your own arm's reach. And that's kind of where I landed. Very nice. Um, so as is the case for many, the path to sustainable farming is a journey. Um, how has this journey been unfolding for you? Well, I kind of never considered any other kind of growing. It just wouldn't occur to me. You know, I got my pets in my house. We made everything in this house non-toxic. Everything outside is non-toxic. Um, for me, the, the wildlife that comes through here is like, this is joy. You know, it would never, never occur to me to exclude them for any reason. Yeah, they're gonna eat some of my elderberries. Yeah, that's why you have elderberries because they're abundant and you don't care. There's plenty for everybody, you know? So put it out there. Like I can only eat so much of the cactus fruit. Okay, I make jam with it. I make a sugar-free, mix it with uh, like an orange marmalade, you know, cactus fruit thing, it's delicious. Uh, but I can only eat so much of it and I can only sell and give away so much of it. And then the mockingbird is set for the whole winter. You know, little animals are going to be in there and under the cactus, the neighbor's feral cats are in there being safe. It would never occur to me to exclude it. It's just like, there is no other way. Yeah. So did you start using some of the methods that maybe your grandparents uh, used or has there been certain methods that have inspired you like biodynamics or permaculture or just general um, square foot gardening methods or, or whatever? I, you know, I love all of these things and you learn from each and every one of them. And then you think, okay, what is my land really like? And that's what you, you know, what works, works, what doesn't work. You, okay didn't work this year, we move on, we try something next year. So, you know, you, there's a couple of places where I'm, I'm trying to do some hugel culture, where you, you know, pile up nice. the bigger logs underneath and then some sticks and branches and then all your green waste on top of that. And, um, you know, there's, I have a nice worm bin that makes some nice juice, but it's so dry here, trying to make a, a regular compost pile break down in the way that you would like to, that would be a full-time job. You know, so it's not really the greatest for this yeah. spot. So sometimes I just, you know, mentally zoom to Wendell Berry. Because I remember when he was uh, talking about globalization, he was like, how does somebody Oops. in some faraway, you know, remote office have anything to say about my 40 acres when every single day for the last 40 years, I learned something new about my little piece of land? And I'm like, oh, Totally. This, you know, this has its own character. And so like right now I've got things in, um, I put in a cover crop over the winter. And so now I'm trying strip tilling. So rather than chop all of the, co the cover crop, you just till through it, the path you're gonna be planting on, right? Okay. And I'm trying this in sort of different combinations to see what actually works. So, so I won't know until the end of this season what actually worked. And then there's, you know, the insanity of the weather changing. We had hot weather. It's like, let's go tomatoes. We put them out there and they got frost. And everybody lost their first plantings of summer crops immediately. 
no melons, no tomatoes, no peppers. I've got a hoop house, so my peppers are safe over there, but anything that was planted outside, done. You know, and I thought, oh, maybe the cover crop will protect it, insulate it a little bit, no. So every year you try something new, A, because you're learning from all these like great people out there who are doing what works on their lands, like, okay, maybe theirs is like mine a little bit, you know, or maybe there's something I can adapt here. And then you have to learn that last year's climate may not be next year's climate. And so you're just constantly rolling with it and you plant more than you need and hope for the best. Because little tiny farms, we don't have crop insurance or anything like that. And then I started doing microgreens because that's something I actually can have a little control over. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nutrient density and, and I'm in charge of the humidity and the light and the temperature, so. Nice. Are you doing that in your greenhouse or in? No, actually. So a hoop house is a little different than a, uh, than a greenhouse. You don't really have all the temperature and humidity controls. It's a big tent, you know, and it offers protection from, because we get pretty extreme wind out here. So it offers some protection there. In the summer, uh, all the sides go up and it's basically a little bit of uh, hot sun filtering. So everything doesn't burn and parch in the summer, so, uh, which is why peppers go great in there. Um, but yeah, it doesn't totally do all the things that a greenhouse does. So the microgreens are in an indoor little out building. And, um, you know, the only big problem there is, um, what do you call them? Uh, fungus gnats. Fungus what? Fungus gnats. Oh, fungus gnats. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, anybody with a greenhouse knows gotcha. how annoying they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, they're a pill. But, you know, it's one thing I can consistently bring to market. Nice. And it's, uh, you know, the nutrient density is somewhere between 8 and 40 times the adult version. Right. So even for people who don't like vegetables, they're like, okay, you don't you have to eat like an eighth the amount. <laughs> so if you don't like them, this is great. Yeah, throw some <laughs> yeah. on your sandwich or your salad, right? Yeah, sandwich, salad, noodles, rice, yeah. poke bowl, avocado toast. Right. Uh, in your smoothie, there's just a million ways to get that superfood in there. So. so with all that you're doing now, what are some of the ways that you're teaching people how to use these nutritious fruits and vegetables to regain their health? So what I tend to do in a class is address issues that people have told me that they're having or, or, or something that could be made easier, right? So a lot of people are told you really need to be hydrated in the summer. Plain water is boring and it's not gonna happen. Willpower is not a thing, you know, for nutritious eating. If you count on that, good luck. You know, you're, maybe you're a better human than I am, but willpower alone is not going to get it. But if you put a pitcher of beautiful herbs and fruit and you put it right on that eye level shelf in the fridge, right, you're going to reach for that. It's pretty colors. You know, it, it's got a flavor. It's much more motivating than plain old water, right? So, so I'll do a class on, okay, here's what happens to your body if you're not hydrated. It's going to be 115 out here. You better be hydrated. 
if you're going to go out and do sports and, you know, whatever else you're going to do outdoors, like 10% humidity in the air in the summer. It's brutal. So you have to, you know, this is what will happen to your body if you're not, you know, getting uh, enough hydration and a good electrolyte balance. And everybody's heard the term electrolytes and nobody knows what it means. And here's why you really don't want to go to Gatorade because yuck. And then here's how to make it delightful, easy and delightful. So you know all the logical reasons. And if that's not going to push you, <laughs> you know, that's if, if logic and sense and facts are not going to move you to action, uh, easy recipes and great flavor might be the actual leverage that works in reality. Nice. So I understand that you're, you've written yeah. a book and um, what are some of the ways that you have been educating the community? Um, you mentioned that you have a, um, you sell at the farmer's market. Are you integrating it with where, uh, when you're selling at the farmer's market or are there other community events that you participate with? Well, you, at the farmer's market, you always have an option to be educational and people consider it added value. And then they become your regulars, which is wonderful. And anytime, you know, I've got like little, I just put information in a frame for people to look at. So they could see like, what's the nutritional value of red cabbage mm -hmm. versus broccoli sprouts or microgreens, right? Or here are 20 things you can do with microgreens. Like, oh, I can do that. So, you know, just that sort of thing. I like to share with people where you can always, or what's in season. So if you go to the store and you're in the middle of February and there are strawberries there, they're not fresh. They're not, you know, they're hothouse, they're imported. They didn't come from your neighborhood, trust me. So it's better than not eating fruit, <laughs> but uh, in my mind, the, the, there are so many good options for finding really fresh and local stuff. There's the best site that I send people to all the time is localharvest.org. And it's, um, you put in your zip code and you can find out where the farmer's market are, the farmer's markets are, the farm stands, the CSAs, you know, all the good stuff right in your area. The you pick places is a really wonderful resource. So I just spread that one around. And then in the classes, I've been at a local, like uh, the community classes of a local college and um, a, sun, a local Sun City over in Lincoln Hills. And I was giving classes for a while with a, um, a cancer support group. So kind of wherever people are needing this information and, and open to it, because you can't go and like tell people, hey, you're eating wrong. I came to your, I came to you to tell you that you're eating wrong. You know, you have to, you know, put out the invitation and people are open to it at the, you know, at the outsiders, it's just not going to be fun. So yeah. And your studies of natural health, were there some certain studies or information that really stood out for you that kind of increased your conviction to eat in a healthier way, more whole fruits and whole, whole vegetables? Oh, God, there was, well, this is quite a while ago, but I mean, a lot of, a lot of kind of seminal stuff came out. All the early Andrew Will stuff came out, all the, um, uh, what is his name, Robbins? John Robbins, wasn't his name John Robbins? Yeah, you know, so so they had a lot of good stuff at the beginning, 
And at that time, you wouldn't find all the answers in like peer-reviewed medical journals. And now when you wanna Google stuff and find actual studies, just put in scholar and then for example, anthocyanins or yada yada, and Google will take you to you know, university studies, which is what you wanna do. You don't, you don't necessarily wanna read them end to end. Right. You know, you go, okay, are these responsible adult qualified people? Yes. Where's their conclusion? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and because I mean, you I think it's it's much more important to know that the the legitimate studies exist than to know every detail of them for most people. Right? And then um yeah, and then the whole sense of like how we treat the land and how it's related to nutrition. You know, there's, again, Wendell Berry, of course, is, is kind of a philosophical guide rather than a, a scientific guide. But, um, you know, you can, you can look into all kinds of things on, um, on, on depleted soils and why that's a big deal. And that doesn't matter if it's plant-based or you know, or animal-based because the animals eat plant-based. So if they're not getting the nutrition, you're not getting the nutrition. Simple as that, you know? I mean, they say, and I haven't read up on this lately, but a long time ago, I read someplace responsible that, that in my grandmother's day, a comparative head of broccoli compared to my lifetime is over eight times more nutrition. So I can't eat eight heads of broccoli, right? <laughs> this is like, how do we lose so much nutrition, you know? And, and to me, the cancer question is, um, and, and I don't think this is over, oversimplifying, but we've put a lot more toxic stuff in our world and hence in our bodies. And then we, we've depleted all the building blocks that we need to fight it. All the things that our body would naturally use to go, hey, that's a malformed malicious cell. Boom, got it. We should be able to do that. We're built to do that. But we've taken away all the materials or not, we've reduced it by, an, you know, down to an eighth of what we used to have basically. And then we don't have the biodiversity. There used to be, I don't know, something like over a hundred different varieties of apples in, in stores, you know, and, and the subtle differences in chemistry, I mean, they've barely begun to scratch the surface on this, you know. I would imagine, and then our microbiome as well. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, if people started really looking at um, the populations inside us and what that was compared to 100 or 200 years ago, it would be weird. It would be like a whole different deal there but mm -hmm. you know there's a that study that we both looked at here you know about that that positive scientific evidence from that combination of empirical observation and clinical research and unfortunately animal research and, and in vitro models and all that that will show that you know something like blueberries contain anthocyanins and ellagic acids and you know, and, and on the one hand, Western science, science is 
is Newtonian science, right? You have to isolate and eliminate variables and make it exactly replicable over and over and over. But that's elagic acid and, and anthocyanins, they don't exist in isolation. They exist in a fruit and then they're interacting with our bodies and that's actually biochemistry. But it's the interaction that's interesting, not the isolated item. It's the relationships. You know, so, so on the one hand, it's exciting that there are so many very proper scientific studies happening that confirm these things. It's, 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 gotta, make every, it's gotta make a shift for individuals, for industries, for lawmakers, it's gotta make a shift that this is important, right? And for a lot of people, that's the only language they'll hear. Mm -hmm is the stuff with footnotes and scientists. So with that in mind, you have been working with people um, that have been going through cancer. Have you over the years come across, maybe want to share a story of someone that really made a, a big shift in their uh, way of eating and maybe how they felt going through the process of recovering? Yeah, well, uh, I'll give you a quick one from my class. Um, there was a lady who came in and aside from other health issues, she had uh, blood pressure questions and she was on so many medications and she was like, how do I get off these things? It's too much, it's overwhelming. And that's the word I hear from everybody, overwhelming, which is why just eating something nice as a solution is great, right? But uh, I said, try this, try eating three to four stalks of celery a day and it, it should help you balance out your blood pressure. Next class, she came in, she said, my, daughter my doctor took me off one of my pills because her numbers were so much better. So there's a bunch of scientific reasons. Celery works. <laughs> it has to do with, I think, potassium and vitamin K and a bunch of other things. But um, does, is that what she wants to know? No, she wants to, she wants, look, there's this easy, non-toxic, inexpensive, no side effects solution to my problem. Yay. And it's easy and it's doable. I can do this action. I don't have to go to a fancy store for it. I don't have to have fancy tools for it. I don't have to do a research study for it. I can eat it right out of my crisper. <laughs> you know? And then that's, she was so happy. It was big yeah. progress. You know, it was, it was demonstrable. She, it was a win, which was huge, right? Now my dad, on the other hand, keep in mind the annoying daughter had been vegetarian for decades before he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And then the annoying daughter kind of pushed them, let's say pushed is a nice word, to uh, just stop eating nasty red meat and start eating a lot more vegetables, fresh, real, honest to paint vegetables, you know, get more organic in there, take the toxic garbage out. And um, my mom had been a very plain cook and her mom was even puritanical, I'd say, just very extremely plain, no spices, no garlic, no onion, no sauces, just broil it and done, right? Mm -hmm. So 
for my mom to take this on was really a big deal, right? But my dad got on the wagon there and, and mom started doing the cooking and it was something they could work on, which was huge. And then my dad started doing all the research for himself and he'd keep coming back to me and telling me, you know, I read this article that says da 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 da. It's like, yeah, I told you that last year. <laughs> it's like, then you read another one. Yeah, I told you that last month. Like, nobody listens to me. But in fact, you know, first I it gave them an action. That's so, so, so important to just not be, you know, falling into the arms of your doctor going, save me. I don't know what anything. I'm helpless. That in itself, it reduces stress you know, and it, and it gives you some foundation. I never tell people like, this is going to cure your cancer, right? Eat blueberries and kale and you'll never have cancer. I'm never going to tell you that, but you can lay a foundation for your body to do the best it can, right? To, to have the wherewithal to put up a really good fight and increase your chances of winning and also increase your quality of life. Um, however, things end up and with or without whatever treatment you choose. So my dad ended up outrunning the prostate cancer for almost 25 years. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and up until, I don't know, like the Thanksgiving of his last year, um, you know, he was like, pink cheeks, looking good, looking fit, out and about. People couldn't believe he was sick in any way. Yeah. Um, you know, he had some, he had stuff going on, but like a trooper, kind of, you know how dads are. Yeah. They're not going to show you they're having a miserable time. And they'll just, excuse me, I'll be right back, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. But, you know, I really think, and I think he believes that, it, you know, increased both his lifespan and his quality of life. Nice. You know, and like I say, then he went and backed it up with science and made sure it worked, you know, (laughs) but he wasn't just chasing some nonsense. Right. So um, also pets are therapy, just a little plug. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I wanted to ask you um, what has inspired some of the recipes that you've created? Did you do a lot of experimentation or some of your travels? Um, Yeah, it's, so living next to that, you know, city block of farmer's market in, in Barcelona, um, that really makes you a spoiled foodie. I mean, spoiled. Everything's brilliant. You just walk in as this like sea of gorgeous color and you just go, what smells good to me today? And like, that's what's both in season and wanted by your body right? It's like when that peach smell is floating in the air is because the peaches are ripe. And then your body locks in on it and goes, you need some peaches. You need them now. Go get them. Right. And you can just joyfully walk around the market like that. And so, you know, part of it is um, just uh, like lots of flavor to me is important. Lots. I don't want some pale washed out you know, like a certain company with bad labor practices, their berries have no flavor. And I can tell you it's from overwatering, because watering plumps them up, but it does absolutely nothing for, for ginning up sugars, right? So, so they look great and they taste like 
you know, and that's not making anybody happy. It really isn't. I want boom flavor, you know? I, I want to get like the olali berries that I grow. You put them in your mouth and you're just like jetted back to being a kid in the woods picking berries, you know, all scratched up and you don't even care if you're bleeding, right? <laughs> They're just like, boom, right off the vine kind of flavor. So that's that part is like super central. And, and so cooking seasonally is the way to get that. So all the recipes and, and even all the, you know, the advice and factual information and comments from, um, from cancer survivors, all of that's grouped seasonally in the book. Okay. Because that's a shortcut to getting lots more flavor. And then my motto for recipes is stupid easy, madly tasty, secretly healthy. Because the one thing I like to hear from people in my classes is when they go, oh my God, even my kids would eat this. Oh my God, even my husband would eat this. You know, because they got these meat and potato husbands and they still got to sell this stuff. Or they'll be abandoned while the family goes for pizza. Or they'll be cooking two meals. And I'm sorry if you're sick, nobody's cooking meals, that's not happening, you know? So, um, so it really has to fit that criteria. You know, the madly tasty part is, I mean, it has to be little effort and a lot of payoff because when your appetite is messed up by cancer and chemo and all those things, you need the payoff, yeah. you know? And the secretly healthy is so the family never knows that what they're eating is actually incredibly good for them. Nice. Just don't use the H word at all. <laughs> never, never mention to your family that it's healthy. Just go, hey, want to try these chocolate truffles? And they try them and go, wow, wow, that's amazing. Like what's in there? Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Don't tell them there's no sugar. Just keep that under your hat. Forget about sworn to secrecy, you know, but that's, that's the way they have to go. And so, you know, like, for example, there's, um, there's a recipe in the book for a, what I call a, a faux pho. So oh, pho is very- What's the word? Faux pho. Oh, pho. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a fake pho, basically. Okay. Because um, all due respect to everybody's uh, brilliant Vietnamese grandmothers who put the layers and layers of amazing flavor into these soups and it takes them all day and they're brilliant and they're you know more advanced than anybody in my kitchen's gonna be. Um, I wanted to make a little shortcut because it's so chock full of good things, but I needed to make it a little easier. And so I, you know, I, I simplified a little bit, you know? You can make your own mayonnaise and your own aioli if you're gonna do that, or you can take a cheat, you know, and just mix in some fresh garlic into, into some vegan, vegan mayo and, um, and there you go. And then dip your your sweet potato fries in it. You're good. Yeah. You know? So it has to be easy. There has to be a brilliant payoff. You know, when we did these um, truffles, they really only have cacao, dates, and coconut in them. And all these people who were behaving very well and staying away from candy and sugar, and they were secretly feeling a little bit martyred by the experience, yeah. they bit into these things. You know, and I always bring this class out around holiday time so you can get through with treats, right? And they bite into them and go, oh my God, it's actual candy that I can have. 
oh my god oh my god <laughs> you know and then and then the chocolate has antioxidants and the you know it's got lots of fiber and it's got theobromides and it's got all these very good reasons why you actually should definitely eat this yeah. you know and but nobody knows nobody needs to know it's healthy yeah but you also don't need to be a martyr to good health you yeah. know you need some joy and there will come a time when things go bad in cancer when it's just eat or don't eat you know at that point you're not looking for some perfect nutritional balance you're looking for something that will go down and not come up gotcha. and that's it you know when it came down to it i was the one feeding my dad exclusively raspberry sorbet made him happy yeah you know that's all you can do yeah that's hard yeah but it, yeah it is but you know he really really enjoyed the raspberry sorbet so that's that's, that's part of the deal you know the yeah. joy is part of the deal yeah it really has to be joyful food has to be joyful yeah i i you know there's so much good dietitian information out there it's really really important but some dietitians come up with these recipes that they're this mathematical nutritional puzzle trying to get every nutrient into one meal and it tastes like hell you know and it's you'll make it once because you should and never never again yeah it's too much work and it doesn't taste good and forget about it you know yeah and it's not you know it's just too frustrating you know when people are ill to you need the morale boost. You need the joy. You need something to look forward to. Right. Right. And, yeah. you know, and, and the joy also went into the book in the form of all the small farm imagery. Because, you know, my, my friends looked at it and they said, you know, it's so soothing. It's so relaxing to look at that and take my mind off things and just imagine myself in that place. You know, and so that's just part of the joy of food that comes from small farms is that connection to place that that reattachment to the natural world, you know, that should pay off as well, but just plain joy. Yeah. Let me um, ask you, so what are some of maybe the challenges that you face with your projects and how have you worked through those challenges, maybe as a farmer and then also um, you know, being able to bring this knowledge and this inspiration to the market and then provide for people in your community? Yeah. Um, well, what I originally started doing with my classes is I would include like a, a basket of produce with the class. Nice. And so it's like, here's your homework. You know, go on home, <laughs> go home and play with this. And I put in, um, things like chocolate mint and fresh scallions. So the minute people peeped into the bag, right? And you got that whole super fresh waft right in your face, they just lit up, they're just ready to go. And, um, you know, and, and that just made me like super happy. But then COVID happened. And then certain organizations also, um, they had uh, liability issues. Like if something ever happened, if one little germ or somebody imagined a germ or, 
or whatever, they started worrying about that sort of thing. And then more so with COVID, you just can't be like handling food and giving it to food in a group. And so that kind of had to let that part go, though I'd like to bring it back. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, if you give people information and then give them stuff that smells amazing, you know, you're just keeping that ball rolling. You know, people are gonna go home and do good things, which is what you want, right? As an educator, like somebody's going out the door inspired. My work here is done, you know? <laughs> but um, at the farmer's market, you get very quick conversations. Sometimes you get people who are um, already open to it. And then you're gonna have this great conversation just standing right there at the farmer's market. And um, then you get people who are just like, mm, no. <laughs> there isn't anything you can do with that. They're just like, okay, they got their heels dug in. That's not my people. You know, <laughs> they're just looking at, you know, like, oh, I tried sprouts once, you know, and don't they get salmonella? It's like, no, that's why we do microgreens, not sprouts. Um, because it's above ground and we don't have that risk, which is, you know, a big plus. Um, but, you know, there's all kinds of people who are just like, no to the healthy stuff. I cannot help you. I, you know, and it's not my job to fix you. It's, you know, if, if somebody is looking for a way to be healthier, especially anybody who's trying to deal with cancer, you know, come have a conversation. I will be your cheerleader. I, you know, come by every week. I'll, I'll boost your morale again. You know, <laughs> I mean, I have, you know, I have had those conversations in the farmer's market when people come by and tell me how they're doing. You know, and, and you know, or, or they're just excited about purple basil just because it's purple. I was like, did you know that has cancer fighting stuff in it just because it's purple? Anything purple has anthocyanins, by the way. So you get all the purple stuff you can. Um, yeah. But they just may be excited about something different, you know, or yeah. we did have with the Olali berries. I wish I'd had a camera for this. You know, little kids don't need to be told when something's healthy. So their parents were on board with getting nice, healthy olali berries. And for some reason, they handed the, the little clamshell of berries to the kid. And they got as far as the stand across the aisle. And the kids, like it was like, like this. The little arm was going into the berries, into the mouth, into the berries, into the mouth. By the time the parents turned around, there were no more berries. I mean, just a matter of minutes. So he's an easy sell. You know, and and when kids get hooked early, you know, and their their taste buds are set to fresh instead of icky sugary, they're set for life. They're really set for life, you know. And um, I mean, that just makes me happy to see. I mean, the parents had to buy a whole other clamshell of olali berries if they wanted to get any. Didn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I think you kind of answered my next question, which was, what are some ways that you're enjoying the rewards of your work? But I think I think you've really touched on that. If um, if your ideas, your wisdom, and your experience were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action for you to give to others, what advice would you give to someone that's also considering doing this in, well, in their local community, maybe with their local farm and in their farmer's market? 
Um, you know, there's a lot of lovely information about heirlooms and um, they may not be the hottest, like volume wise, the hottest producers, but you have a story to tell. You know, um, I like to grow um, tangerine tomatoes, so these, you know, dark orange ones, because they are the highest in lycopene, which helps fight both breast cancer and prostate cancer. And that's kind of how I choose my stuff. So, so have a niche, have a story, have, a, um, have something that builds a relationship and brings people back. And part of that is just going to make you happier. There's so many, you know, struggles with farming. So if you're not happy doing it, you know, and if you don't feel like, like what you do is appreciated, it's just too much. So get yourself the appreciation you deserve, you know, have a good story, build the relationships, um, you know, find fun people to farm with so that you can, you know, cuss and square, swear about the irrigation and the bugs and the, you know. <laughs> and then I know somebody who, you know, on Fridays, end of work day, that's beer time. And that is just part of, you know, everybody who's been working sits down with a beer, you know, so find fun people to do it with. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of struggle. It's a lot of work. You know, you keep thinking you've got it down. You think you've got all your irrigation in place and now there's a leak. You know, <laughs> you think, keep, keep thinking you know how it's gonna go and you don't. So you gotta be able to vent with somebody. And that's not your customers. Save the good stories for your customers, your friends for venting. Yeah. Um, can you tell us the name of your book and uh, maybe where we can find it? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, more than happy to. It's called Produce with a Purpose. And the subtitle is, so your doctor told you to eat more fruit and vegetables, now what? <laughs> Which is where a lot of people find themselves because they get the diagnosis. And at the same time, the doctor says, oh, you need to change what you eat. Like, are you kicking me when I'm down? What about my comfort food? I need comfort food. I'm, <laughs> I'm terrified. I'm freaked out. I'm overwhelmed. I need my comfort food, right? Yeah. So really, it's a now what kind of moment, hence that title. You can get a, um, a Kindle version very inexpensively on Amazon. I kept it cheap for a reason. And then you can get the paperback. And honestly, it's a really nice gift for somebody you know who's going through this. Because most of us don't know what to do. For friends and relatives that are going through this, this is something you can do that's helpful and morale boosting and just a nice, a nice thing. You can find it on IndieBound, um, bookshop.org, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And then, for, and then for people in the local Sacramento area, how do they find um, the farmer's market that you're at and find your booth? Oh, Natoma's Farmer's Art Market will be opening probably right at the beginning of June. And uh, we'll, put the, we'll put the links and address and all that good stuff in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the Natomas Farmer's Market is very wonderful. I have to say it's, it's well organized, it's well run, it's got a permanent shade, so it is not brutally hot even in, in the summer. It's near a bunch of parks and a dog park and a high school and shopping and so it's like the perfect place to go on a Saturday. 
It's, it's really one of the nicest farmers markets I've ever seen. And for folks who are using their, um, their SNAP vouchers and their, their EBT, they do accept that there for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share that with us and for all the great work that you're doing to help. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm so glad there's a, you know, a community focused on, you know, making things greener and healthier, like within each person's arm's reach, you know, so I, I love that focus. And um, yeah, happy to be with you today. If you haven't yet visited your local green online hub, then please visit gogreenlocally.org and check out the directories for events, groups, businesses, online resources, and local support listings for your area. If you find something is missing, then let us know or just log in and add it. These are community free sharing directories.